0: Another service adds ChatGPT. This is Mac Voices. Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc, the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. Find out more at ZocDoc.com macvoices Mac Voices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. The Mac Voices Live panel is back in part two of our conversation. This time, we finish up the discussion of the Silicon Valley Bank situation and then shift our attention to a service that is integrating ChatGPT, and it isn't Microsoft. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking.
1: Gosh, I sure don't have any faith in regulations
2: happening right
1: away.
0: (laughs) I can't
3: imagine
1: why.
2: Weren't a lot of the regulations that would have helped us there <clears throat> recently and then got rolled back? So I I can't believe that we have learned anything.
4: Correct. A lot of the regulations that were put in place after 2008-2009 uh, were refused.
0: We've seen this before where there's a big scare and then the regulations come roaring in. And then they get watered down, they get loosened, and then the enforcement isn't what it used to be. And then we have another big scare, and then the cycle repeats.
1: You know, so far, I think, you know, this is not even remotely comparable to what happened in 2008. Let's hope that continues. Yeah.
0: Um, Web Bixby is in our chat. He couldn't be here tonight, but he is um, contributing. He said there was a huge loan portfolio in the wine uh, industry as well, not simply tech.
4: So, yeah, and uh, the drought in California could have had a financial Fires. impact yeah. on that too.
0: Good point. Good point. I mean, that you know, that's it. It's so dangerous to talk about some of this and try to. Try to be intelligent about it because there's so many moving parts to it that to to just the, the banking world in general, as as opposed to what we – the way we think it operates is not necessarily the way it operates. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. Paul says, welcome to the recession. Let's hope not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are for we talking about
4: financial or my hair? <laughs>
3: well, they could be linked. <laughs> yeah. This is true.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So – uh everybody buy I'll start a GoFundMe for uh uh hair tonic for Ben. Okay, that got nothing. Sorry. No, I, I was thinking <laughs> should it be for
3: just Ben. I mean
2: <laughs> <laughs> I need to add a bit there, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. so I'm bulk, looking at this wiki this
1: Wikipedia article that, um, I guess, Jeff posted, mm-hmm. and it's only since the 1970s. So I wonder if, like, 1929 was included, if that might change things.
5: Oh, that would be interesting to know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but at some point, point, what dif- difference does it make? I mean, we're we're talking about, you know, which was, was there, were there any ships bigger than the Titanic that sunk? Um, you know, if, if you were on the Titanic, does it matter?
1: Well, just in terms of, like, according to this, Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest bank to ever fail. But I'm just wondering, you know, 1929 was a, you know, pretty. Significant, you know, thing, and I, you know, so I wonder if that, you know, if you say it's the second largest, but it's not including 1929. I wonder if it's really that big.
0: Not adjusted, you know. adjusted for inflation, it would be. It would be interesting to see, though.
1: Right. I mean, obviously, the absolute numbers are going to be minuscule in 1929. But right, yeah, but, and. You know. I think and the, Dow Jones he- and the headlines was-
3: we can't exactly trust because you know, we don't know if the headlines are being written by people that that truly know the uh, the values. So so many of the headlines I'm finding right now, it's like Silicon Valley Bank is the second largest U.S. bank failure ever, and um, um and then let's let's say Signature Bank, third largest bank failure in U.S. history and that's well, that's, uh, what, headline that's what this CNBC wikipedia yesterday. page yeah the, you know, so they could
1: well be looking at this wikipedia page to come up with that
3: that's yeah
1: and and e- even you know so the wikipedia page since the 1970s over 90 banks with 1 billion or more of assets have failed um this is a dynamic list and may never be able to satisfy particular standards for completeness so it says you know right in there and i assume you know These asset numbers were, you know, are roughly public in, you know, the modern era, probably not so much in the 1920s. Um, There was obviously a lot of banking regulation passed in the 30s that completely upended that business. And so, you know, it may not be possible, you know, that information from the 20s, you know, it's probably not available at all.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Or not, but especially uh, inflation adjusted, that may take a bit, quite a bit of well, work. Well,
1: adjusting is, you know, that's a, an art as well. But I'm saying the absolute numbers, you know, may not have been publicly disclosed at that time. You know, those books may have been private and that information may not be available full stop because, you know, banks that's are... True.
3: A lot of regulations we have today... Um, Happened because of the 1920s stock market crash,
0: right? Yeah. Brian, you just threw and, something in our in our chat room. Uh, you want to talk about that?
5: Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I haven't been able to validate any of the data, but just looking at it real quick, i just talked about some of the bank failures during the Great Depression, and it came to mind. I was thinking, you know, maybe not even by inflation, may any of these even be anywhere close in the top 50 or 100. Um, banks that had failed. But when you consider, uh, it says here, uh, by 1933, 11,000 of the nation's 25,000 banks had disappeared. And that's obviously super significant. And then you think about too, um, all the mergers that take place between all the banks, banks buying each other, and that type of thing growing larger and larger. my, My gut tells me that a lot of these were much, much smaller banks, but much more numerous.
3: Oh, that's a good point. Banks used to be much more local than uh yeah. than they are now. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you had your town bank, maybe you had a regional bank, but yeah, it was like like town banks.
5: Right. Uh, sort of affected know, tons of people, but yeah, but, but still 40 you know,
1: 40% of the banks went out of business in 4 years. And, you know, it's a, you know, trope that people were jumping out of skys- skyscrapers. So,
0: it was bad. Oh yeah, one of the, one of the thing to point out too it's and for better or worse, this was called Silicon Valley Bank. So there's a, per, at least initially, I think there was a perception that this was a, a, you know, a Silicon Valley bank, a regional bank. And to to Brian's earlier point, this was what they consider a super regional. I I've, I admit I was surprised to find out they had offices in uh, what I think London and India and. I, forget a couple other locations that they cited um, as of of course, as opposed to just Silicon Valley. So um, it's, you know, perceptions, everything, but Brian, I, I, I did not see that um, HSBC had, I thought they had purchased the, the UK arm of Silicon Valley bank, but I didn't see that they had made a bid for all of it. I don't know. Is
5: where, um, let me see the article. I was flipping through. I see if I can find it for you. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if it was just a part of it or not. I just saw it listed there
2: somewhere. I didn't. I didn't think they had a buyer for the rest of it. Well,
0: that's that's what I thought, Eric. And I'm you know I'm just wondering will it, I mean will they start carving it up to make it more absorbable by somebody else?
2: well i mean it looked like canada took the can the canada canadian banking regulation, regulators took control of the canadian unit and the uk took control of the uk unit and facilitated that sale and then uh now there's a bunch of partners in china for a bunch of startups so yeah it it looks like there's places all over the place that are you know reaching out to crop up their areas because that whole tech industry is pretty critical. You know? Yeah. And no yeah. one wants it to fall apart.
0: And just to circle back for a second to what Jeff was saying about Signature, um, Brad in the chat room pointed out uh, a little while ago that Signature was into cryptocurrency. And right. so if, if you think Silicon Valley Bank was volatile, if you're in the cryptocurrency market, holy cow. Yeah. So, anything else um, on this before we move on um, because again it's such a developing story I didn't want to waste a lot of time but I felt like we had to just touch on it uh, from where it stands where we are at the moment in time and Brian if you find that let us know Um, So moving on, and this was one that I found, but Ben said he was really interested in commenting on it or discussing it. So um, I'm going to let him take the lead on this. Um, Grammarly uh, has uh, expanded beyond proofreading uh, with AI powered writing. Why did this strike you, Ben, as exciting?
4: Well, as someone who does his own tech websites, I do not have an editor for my articles. Uh, So when I'm going to post stuff, I have a, or I have the, uh, since I have Grammarly set up through Safari, essentially Grammarly proof checks and sees all the things that I wrote rather than what my mind wanted me to write. Um, um, this just makes it, it bigger and and better.
0: So, now, I, have you experimented with this at all? Or
4: um, I learned about this about an hour and a
0: half ago. Okay, okay. Because, you know, I have to wonder. I mean, it's one thing to start correcting grammar, but it's another one to be turning. My perception is part of your writing over to... to this AI, just like it would be with chat GPT or Bing or Google or any of the others. um, Is that something you're going to be comfortable with? Or do you see this as something that is just a way to get you started in an article?
4: Um, I don't have a problem with it, with the stuff I post on Raythig tech since, I mean, I'm just giving my thoughts. I have no real financial uh stake there if it's something that i would if it's something that is you know i have a financial stake in i would
1: think twice i mean i'm i'm already using grammarly for for business you know they they gave us uh gave us the opportunity to use that to, to do to improve upon our business writing you know, when we're writing emails or, or writing chat and Teams or whatever, but adding this AI into the mix is—I I find it to be intriguing. You see where that goes to, even you know, because I've been using ChatGPT and find it uh, fascinating how it, it comes up with some of this stuff. Um, and adding this into Grammarly and having it and in, in, as an AI type of uh, intelligence to, to to help to help you even more along. It's definitely something interesting, but they're going to venture to say
0: they're going to probably charge more for it. Oh, I think that goes without saying. I think that goes without saying. And I think, I mean, the, I guess, depending on which way you look at it, part of me was not surprised to see it because it just is almost a natural extension of what Grammarly does. Right. But it also, I mean, am I going to pay for that when ChatGPT at least at some level is free and you know now i th- there were a bunch of things that just came out in the last 24 hours but i think uh uh edge now has chat Deep gpt built into it on on a sidebar with bing, with bing. yeah mm-hmm.
3: with bing yeah oh and, that's what the new little icon is <laughs> 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 yep okay so i i um had to reboot my computer today and and when uh edge launched after that uh it let me know that uh it had been updated and i have all these extra icons down the side now and uh one of them is like a, a bing talk bubble thing so that must be what that's for
0: yeah so microsoft continues to really push this out in a bit their version of it out in a big way yeah, yeah. You know th- so that part of it, the
3: um chat GPT style part of uh, the AI thing, this is still really technology preview stuff and uh, and info AI is making sure everyone knows or open AI is making sure everyone knows no, they're posting on their website that this is technology preview. people are are not picking up on that. And they're thinking this this is the legit solid uh end game for the product. And that's a problem. Now uh AI being uh integrated into something like Grammarly, I see that as a very different thing, unless it's being used in a way where it's just simply writing all of your content for you like ChatGPT would. Um that I see is a problem. But when you look at uh, at language structure, grammar, punctuation, uh, there there are there are parameters and guidelines for all of that, and having a uh, a, uh, a better understanding about how all of these elements fit together, and uh, and helping you find maybe more efficient or elegant ways to, to say or edit what you've written, okay, that seems like a, a valid, legit AI use and, uh, and something that current AI technologies are probably capable of handling.
0: Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by ZocDoc. Find local doctors who take your insurance at ZocDoc.com slash MacVoices. When someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, it could be a waiter, it could be a chef, it could be a doctor. You know you're in good hands. It's like seeing a waiter balance five trays of sizzling fajitas on one arm. You're confident in them. When you find the right doctor, you can feel it. You feel heard and at ease. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that's right for you is seamless. The quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more doctor roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you to your favorite doctor you haven't met yet. Millions of people use Zocdoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to zocdoc.com/macvoices and download the Zocdoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's zocdoc.com/macvoices. Zocdoc.com/macvoices. Thanks to ZocDoc for supporting this week's Mac Voices. So, Jeff, you heard Ben. I mean, he's, he made his comments about what he would be comfortable with. You make a big part of your living writing, too. Is this something that you would be comfortable using, not as something that you'd feed it and then just send it out to a client, but you, that you would feed it uh, some information and then use what comes back as, as a starting point?
3: No. I would not. Uh, And I, and I won't use chat GPT for that either. I have, after I've written some things gone and fed chat GPT, the parameters of what it is that I'm writing just to see what it comes up with. And, um, and sometimes it's interesting. And sometimes I I look at it and I'm like, man, you are a master liar. You make it sound really good. (laughs) Um, It's, for For something where it's going to create the content for me, I'm not comfortable with that at all um, and there's there's multiple reasons for that the, the first reason is I do not believe the technology is even close to being at a level where it can it can give us something good. then there's the next level of how is it generating that content for you? Well, it's generating it by scraping all the information off the internet, which means that it is a highly efficient automated uh, plagiarization system. And I am not comfortable with that either. Um, So, okay, then as far as using it as just another part of Grammarly, I don't use Grammarly. Maybe I should if i should please let me know um but uh, i'm fi- i'm finding it valuable since i started using it and well and and i know it's really valuable for a lot of people i i've never uh had a strong interest in using grammarly and i i base that and it might be a completely horribly bad assumption but on uh my experience with uh with uh word trying to help me out by being consistently in the way and screwing up what I'm doing. And um, so I, I avoid using automated writing assistant tools like that. And uh, that, that's
0: just me. Um, Brad in the chat room says, doesn't free Grammarly share everything you type? There's no such thing as free. They're making money somehow. I don't know. I haven't used Grammarly in a long time. Like Jeff, maybe I should. Uh, but I honestly don't know. I, I mean, I, I there used to be a free version. I don't know if there still is. I Brad, I'm assuming by your comments that there is. Grammarly, yes. Um, is there? And, but, I, but I have no idea of how how they monetize that. But I, I agree with you. Somehow they have to be monetizing it. Yeah, they have a premium. Uh, subscription yeah eric you want in here um yeah a
2: a lot of this really reminds me of the discussions uh, um around automation when they first started using AppleScript and other automation things and the and the speakers were coming out and was you know you walk in you say you know contact you know whomever and and make an appointment at a restaurant and and you know Set up my room and all that kind of stuff, and everyone thought that it was going to be great and wonderful. And it was very hard to implement. Uh, the biggest successes were to have a very, very small, restricted set of options you could do, and then the recognition rate went way up because there were only eight choices and they were different enough, and and it was fast to respond because there were only eight things. This kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, you know, I I kind of wonder if we'll get to the point where Maybe there would be, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, an AI system for documentation or an AI AI system based on a particular style guide where it would really be for really optimizing consistency of writing in, in something where it's dry and boring and you just have to do it, but you don't want it to be quite as varied. And you want to use multiple people. Um, I mean, I, I, I think kind of restricted data sets feel like that would be something that's useful. Now, it may not work with how this whole system works, but it seems like you perhaps the results would be more beneficial and, and less kind of just wild guessing and, and just predicted putting words together. When they're not words you would ever want coming out of your mouth, um, you know. So, you know, it kind of like, um, well, I don't, I don't know if you could ever get it to work for like legal documents. There'd just be too much of a disaster there. Um, but that kind of concept of, uh, you know, particularly with like help documents, make it more readable. You know. After somebody translates documents six different times into 12 different languages, I can't figure out how to put the bookshelf together. Perhaps something like that would would improve, you know, that kind of assembly language documentation.
0: Well, first, Jeff, uh, you want to tell us what you found on the Grammarly website? I think that's important since uh, it, we'll have it in the show notes, but I think it's important to say it out loud.
3: Sure. I'll just read it from the website so that I don't screw it up. And this, this is from the trust page on Grammarly's website. We don't sell your data. Grammarly makes money when customers enjoy our best in class AI enabled communication assistance and decide to purchase one of our paid product offerings. We have not do not, and will not sell users data or rely on an ad based revenue model. You own what you write.
0: So that's refreshingly straightforward. Uh, Yes, it is.
1: Yes, but do you own what you plagiarized off of everybody else on the internet?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is that. Uh, I I think the better way to say it is Grammarly does not own what you plagiarized. (laughs) (laughs) There we have our show title.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Brian. I want I want your comments about this, and and I'm going st- to I may be stepping in it. Okay, so just bear with me here and hear me out, and then you can criticize me. But plagiarism, in my mind, is the the direct, blatant copying of someone else's work. But if I if I go to the web and research research um, something that is written by brian and by david and by ben and jeff and eric and and and, and jim and then i take all of that and i wrap it up in my own way and s- state it i'm kind of doing the same thing am i not
5: the
0: yeah part of it is
5: citations i think about you know you're using the words and thoughts of others but are you giving them credit are you saying this is where i found that information and then on the flip side are you processing that information are you doing something with that information providing your own um, commentary or are you um, letting that information soak in and being able to talk about what it is that you researched and how that it applies to a different situation or how it impacts something that you're doing that type of thing as opposed to just Collectively grabbing that information.
3: Yeah, if, if you're, I love that, collectively grabbing that information, and then you just change the wording some, you have absolutely plagiarized. If you take the knowledge that you have gained by reading this content from all these other people, and then craft your own piece that um, that explains whatever it is in your own words that's not plagiarism although you should do the morally correct thing and cite the sources where you learned what you
0: what what you're writing about yeah, that's that's fair i th- i mean i think some of these discussions are important to have because there there is potentially a fine line if you're not thinking about it properly and also the citation part is is an excellent point because i assume Brian, that's something you want to see from your students, that if they go out and gather up information, you want to see some kind of citations.
5: Correct. No different than, you know, whether it's, you know, this newer technology or something that they've, you know, two decades ago were researching in a library, opening books and pulling stuff, you know, being able to say, where did you learn that information? How do you know that to be true? And then also it helps the reader. If you're developing a research paper and you're explaining something and maybe the people who are reading that paper are interested to do further research of their own, and they're going to utilize some of the sources that you use to develop that paper to then take the next steps to research and go down that mm-hmm. rabbit hole even further and it can help with interpreting bias it can help with interpreting what side you might be on a one w- one area or another um what take you might have on a particular um, controversial issue, whatever it might be, but you can.
0: Yeah, those sources are vital. Yeah, Jeff, to go back to—I I forget your phrase. I'm sorry, but what what you call ChatGPT is a, an excellent professional liar. I, I forget. Ex-
3: um, <laughs> um, a very confident liar. I don't remember what I said.
0: It may have been confident liar. The, the reason I bring it up is because I, I've seen. In fact, we've had a couple members of our of our team here. Post some consolidations of different statements by chat Gpt down uh, you know where it distills you know, five paragraphs of 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 uh let's just say not gibberish but um long winded explanations of things down to something that's a lot more intelligible and and that's great, but you know i I'm not sure I would want to have that as taken as gospel or taken as an accurate uh, summary of whatever was said. And yet I'm afraid, you know, especially in the world now where long-form content is in the minority, short-form content is king, and so more and more it seems like we're just trying to get, we're trying to get it down to one or two paragraphs and sometimes less Mm -hmm. to, uh, and, and yeah, this might be a way to help you do that. But is that really a good thing at this stage? How much are you going to rely on that, especially if you don't know that maybe that's what's being done to you?
1: Uh, you know, now that
3: you're saying that, I see a place where this could be abused. Not, not intentionally abused, but it, it would it would become a, a form of data abuse. Okay, so when you write an article that you put on the internet you want it to be seen google dictates content length and uh, and if you want to be if you want to have a piece that you write um searched and ranked so that uh, people actually will find it then uh then i mean it's it's over a thousand words depend and uh, could be 1500 2000 longer form pieces will get uh will get better seo juice from google so what you said about short form is king is also true so how will companies address the need to efficiently and quickly crank out their their longer pieces and uh, and still provide the uh, the short synopsis that everyone else wants and save time how about let the let the ai do it for you but now you have to hope that the ai interprets the content in your longer form piece correctly so that it generates an accurate synopsis for for uh your readers and, uh, and my guess is that we will see multiple instances where that's actually being done, and the AI is not getting it right. And the people that are writing the content aren't checking to make sure the AI got it right. They're just cranking out the piece, let, the, let this uh, automated uh, synopsis happen, and they're already gone on and working on the next two or three pieces after that, and don't look back. That'll be a problem.
0: So we're going to go into a giant black hole here, where the people that are making the uh, the the original content are using ChatGPT to spit it out in long form, and then somebody else is using um, a ChatGPT to consolidate it down, and we're just we spiral down the black hole.
3: And this is actually something that that I've been thinking about a lot. Which is, what hap- how do these AI systems work? They're scraping the internet for all this data. So how far away are, from me, or are we from the circle where they're just scraping themselves? And then what happens to the validity and quality of the content when it's just a bunch of AIs rewriting what, uh, what other
5: AIs are creating?
0: What was that, Ben?
4: it's going down the toilet uh,
0: <laughs> what i just saw today our uh, our friend chris breen um said, posted a, something on his website said nope still dead um where
3: yeah, chatgpt is certain he's he died years ago yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and so you know he keeps checking in just to see if he came back to life but yeah very strange stuff very strange stuff the panel wraps up our discussion of chat GPT uses and what they are comfortable with individually. Then we take a look at what is being added and removed from our photos, with and without our permission. That's next time on Mac Voices. I'll see you then. As always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page